God is good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I mean, we all know the time and the season that that's going on. And, and I just felt like um, it's been a little while since I've addressed this. Now, what I'm going to say this morning, uh, much of you have heard, many of you have heard, but we have several here this morning that have not heard this message. And uh, so if you've heard a lot of this, you just say amen. You just be right in the amen chair this morning. And if not, then um, open your heart to hear. I challenge you with the Word of God. I, I guess we're just, you know, we're kind of here. We just believe God's Word. So let me say amen to that. I just believe God's Word is right. And so when it comes to evaluating things, evaluating life, and all things that are, have to do with us, I believe God's Word is right and preeminent, and the Lord said, let every man be a liar, but God will still be the truth. And so we're going to look at a few things this morning. I, I never intend to offend anybody but the devil. I want to offend him so bad he'll never come back. I'm not shaking his hand. So if he's hanging around here this morning, I hope I offend him. But I'm not trying to offend anybody. Uh, boy, when you talk about holidays and stuff, woo, we can we can really get because uh, we we do you know and and so Kay says happy traditional what what do you call it family day happy traditional family day today amen and so um, it's a uh, it's a joy to be here on this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want to go to a scripture found in Hebrews, the first chapter, and then go back to the book of Luke. And so, um, in the first chapter of Hebrews, in the fifth verse, fifth and sixth, for to which of the angels did he ever say? In other words, he addressed this and said this, but never to any of the angels. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. And again, when he brought the firstborn into the world, the firstborn, Everybody say firstborn. That's what we're talking about this morning, the firstborn. When he brought the firstborn into the world, he said, and let all the angels of God worship him. So we need to connect with that. Let's go back to the book of Luke in the second chapter. And uh, let's pick up in the 13th verse. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. I'm going to read it just the way it is in the, in, in, in the King James. Peace on earth and goodwill to men or among men. And we're going to talk about this this morning. I believe the scripture is given to preach and discuss. 
It's not given for preachers to dominate people with because it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to him. And so what we want to do is talk about this scripture, expose it, uh, just believe that God will minister to us in it. And I want to find the Lord this morning. I want to find the firstborn in this whole thing, this whole thing that's going on out here in the world, what we're doing today and all the traditional holidays and the Merry Christmas and all the rest of it. I want to find the firstborn. Can the church say amen? I want to find that firstborn. Thank you, Lord. We just appreciate that we are here. We appreciate the health and strength and to make it here. Thank you, Lord, for those that came with us today. We have rejoiced in you. I felt in, in the praise. I just have felt your spirit. Lord, and so we thank you. We honor you. We honor your word this morning and ask that it would bring life and light understanding. Maybe there's some things I'll say this morning that some people have never heard. But Lord, we pray that an understanding of your scripture will just bear into the heart and the spirit of those. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 The birth of Yeshua. Emmanuel. The Christ, he who was and is and is to come. The Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the only begotten of the Father. The image of the invisible God, the only personage the only physical being of God himself, Yahweh in the flesh. I want to start like that so you know where I'm at to start with. This is the one we're looking for, the firstborn. I want to go back to Arius. Some of you might know about Arius. He actually lived in the third century and into the 4th century, and at that time, uh, much of the doctrines of the church were under debate. Uh, there were those who were trying to take over and uh, extend their doctrines over all the church, and it just happened that in the Roman Empire, this began to happen, that the churches needed to be synchronized. They needed to preach the same things. And any voice that was other than what we would call the orthodoxy, they would be singled out. It would be removed from their churches and exiled. Um, it was a time when the church was trying to gather all the fragments together and put them under one heading. And I worry about that. It's much like I worry about those teaching in the schools or praying in the school. I, you know, I don't like the idea that they took prayer out of school, but I want to know who's praying. It's not just praying. I, I need to know who it is that's up there leading in the prayer. <clears throat> There's not one blanket covering for all the religious efforts that are going on. And we can call that in the day that we're in, we can call that Christmas. It seems like, you know, it takes the nation 
Um, I read the other day that whether you are religious or not, the heading Christmas actually means something other than religious. Now, you can celebrate Christmas and use the word Christmas, Christ Mass, and not be celebrating the religious part of that. I thought, well, that, that's, that's really interesting. Like we said last week, and repeat that again, uh, having Christmas without Christ is like having anniversary celebration without your spouse. You know, it just doesn't work. And, and so, Christmas, I read something amusing that I would share with you. We don't um, use in, in the church, we don't use the word Christmas, it's not biblical. It's a holiday that came to be, and during around the time of Arius and the Catholic Church, I'm not here to shoot at the Catholic Church, but they're a pretty big target on this. So, you know, we're going to take aim. We took some aim yesterday at some stuff out there. We're blowing it up. That was pretty cool. So we're going to take some aim at this. Christ Mass. I don't say Christ Mass. I say Chris. Uh, Christmas. And I think that's how everybody says it. It's, it's Chris Kringle. It's not the Lord. So Mass. Mass. This, this was humorous. Uh, let me talk about the Mass for a minute. reason why we don't connect Christ with the Mass. And the Mass, if you know what the Mass is about, um, they say that it's a time where they can take the Eucharist again, that they bring the people in, and there's a ceremony. I'm talking about the Roman Catholic Mass. I did read up on it again. Uh, there's five, six, seven steps to the Mass, and you say certain things in the liturgy, and and there's just a lot of magical things that are going on there. One of the things is transubstantiation. Uh, when you take the Lord's Supper, which is which are called the Eucharist, um, that they believe there is a secret Latin prayer that the priest prays, and when he does that, the bread or the wafer that they use and the wine that they have actually turns into the body of God the body of Christ, and the blood of Christ. It's not wine anymore, and it's not a wafer. It actually is the body and the blood of Jesus. It's secret Latin prayer. We don't do secret prayers here. If it's not good for the church, we're not praying it, right? So I'm going to go in a back room, and I'm going to or whatever they do, come out, and now I've got the real blood, and I've got the... And so. This is so comical, I have, to, I have to say this. A certain priest, this was a testimony of, of somebody that, that I'd read about. A certain priest went to a rest home and was giving out the rites of the Eucharist, doing the Mass. And one of the things that, that they have to do, and I noticed, I don't know if you've ever watched this, but when they drink out of the chalice that's got the wine in it, they have to use every drop of, you, you know, because the Lord said drink all of it. And so, they, and even when they're done, they wipe it with a napkin and, and, and everything. So, this, this is great. This just works perfect for me. He's in the rest home. He's putting the wafer. You stick your tongue out and then put the wafer on there and, and uh, say the, the Latin words or whatever. And then the priest takes a drink, right? And he keeps drinking. Usually he's drunk by the time the Mass is over. And so he's drinking and putting the wafers on. He come to one woman, and quickly she took her dentures out of her mouth and dropped them in the chalice. 
And this person said, and the priest did drink every drop. That's good. I love that. That means more to me about the Mass than anything else. But the Mass really is, is a distortion of the Supper of the Lord. And we're not doing the Lord's Supper this morning. But I can't connect Christ with that. And so if there was a Mass for Christ, then you are bringing Him up again by His own body and His own blood. And it's weird. It's weird to say Christ Mass. It's weird. So I spoiled that already for everybody. And so let's get back to Arius. And Arius um, was one of those guys, and I, and I think he was a little bit like me, is that if he had a thought and he had Scripture, he was going to say it no matter what the other church down the road was going to say. And I think if you stick into the Scripture, it doesn't really matter what somebody else says, right? And so not to prove points, not to be different, that's, that's not it. But it's to stay biblical and to stay right in the Scripture. So Arius said this, which got him killed. If the Father begat the Son, then he who was begotten had a beginning in existence. You following that? If the Father begat the Son, then he who was begotten, the Son, had an existence or a beginning. And from this, for this reason, it follows that there was a time when the Son was not. Not, not talking about the Son in the, in the air, in the sky. But if He was begotten, do you believe that Jesus Christ was begotten? If you do not, let me tell you something, you cannot be saved. You must believe on the only begotten Son of God. Is everybody okay? Am I offending people already? Man, that didn't take long. So if He was begotten, then there was a time when the Son was not. Now, we're just holding Scripture on this. We just, we just believe. I just read to you the firstborn. The firstborn is exactly what it means. There, there's a birth that took place. There's, there's, there's something here that was created. But the Roman church and those in the 3rd, 4th century really did not want to hear that because they had already established a doctrine that there were three gods in heaven. There was a Father, and there was a Son, and there was a Holy Ghost. And how be, it doesn't matter how you slice that. You can call them gods. You can call them lords. You can call them spirits. You can call them persons. Whatever it is that you want to call them, if you have three there, then, then that is what's called the tri or the trinity. And I'm not here to bash people about the trinity. I, that's, that's not what my message is about. I prefer rather to show you a truth than to just tear up a doctrine. Come on, say amen. And so we believe and we teach after the definition of Arianism. 
Arianism is called heresy by the Catholic Church, but this is the simple definition of Arianism. The Christological position that Jesus, as the Son of God, was created by God. And so if you have the disposition that there was an eternal Son in heaven, then we have a problem in Scripture. You don't have a problem with me. You have a problem with the Bible. Because the Bible talks explicitly about the firstborn. And so when we look at Arianism, it's the position that we take. Not because we just don't want to believe the Catholic Church. I'm not a part of the Catholic In fact, I'm not a Protestant. I'm not protesting anything they do. I don't care what they do. I'm a Bible believer follower of Jesus Christ. And so whatever they do, whatever direction they go and other churches and, and whatever their doctrines are, that, that, that's no reflection on us. We're not here to necessarily fight that, but we are here to proclaim what the scriptural truth is in our understanding. And so if... position that Jesus as the Son of God was created by God, then you need to get your, your marker out and mark out all the places that talk about the only begotten Son. Mark out all the places that talk about the firstborn. Mark out everything that says that Jesus Christ was born. Take the, quote, Christmas story that's found in the book of Mark and found in the book of Luke and do like a friend of mine. He found some scriptures he didn't like. He took a razor blade and started cutting things out of his Bible. That makes good sense. And um, he went crazy, by the way. Spiritually, completely crazy. But this week I saw something else that, that, that kind of, and I had to say, well, I've got to address this for a second. Does everybody know what the Potter's House is in Dallas? Um, T.D. Jakes, and, you know, they probably do a lot of good and everything. But their, um, their, their, their Christmas thing was, and they, they put it on the screen, they erroneously took from the fourth chapter of Galatians, where it says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. And if you read it that way, and you quote it that way, and it's out of King James that way, it looks like that Jesus was in heaven and God sent him to earth in the fullness of time. The problem is, is that if you're smart enough, T.D. Jakes, you know the Greek and you know what it says. And what it says is, is that God sent forth his son having already been born of a woman. God didn't send his son from heaven. God sent his son from the Jordan River and baptism into messianic ministry and sent him from there into the world. Up to that point, he was not ministering. He was not doing the Christ work. So God didn't send him out of heaven and, and to be born of Mary in the earth. He was already in the earth when God sent him. And now can all those that follow our preaching say, Amen. So, 
Let's look at this scripture back in Hebrews, the first chapter again. You are my son. Today. Can you say today? Today I have begotten you. Today. Prior to the fall of man, there is no time. In the garden, Adam and Eve and the Lord and whatever, and I said this last week, we don't know how long they were in the garden before they fell. But up to the time of their fall, there was no sin, there was no death, there was no aging. They just lived on. God didn't make bodies to die. But when sin came in, so did death. And so what happens is, there's this time that begins at the garden, and, and God kicks them out of the garden. They begin to die. Adam lived 900 years, a, a long time, but he was on a death path. And you and I, when we're born, I, I mean, young people have a problem understanding this, and, and uh, we're constantly reminded of this the older that we get, is that really you, you are born and you're living, but you're going to die. You're going down. I don't know what point that is. It may be 35, around there, 40. I was hoping it would be like 70 or so. And, and you know, I had a, had, a, had a while to go before I went over the edge. But we are get to a point in our life when the body begins to die. And I don't know if you realize that or not, young people, but you will. What happens is you can't do what you used to do because your body, it begins to wax old. Your joints begin to hurt. Your back hurts because you worked all your life. All that stuff begins to happen. But the body originally wasn't made for death. It was made to live on. But when, when uh, Adam falls, when they sin, uh, death comes in and time comes in. <clears throat> now, today I have begotten thee. So I'm going to have to bring it because this is God's saying this. According to God's own quote himself. Yeshua had to be created in a day. He could not be created in eternity. It's framed in time, today. And so if we think that he was eternally in the heaven, there was this eternal son in the heaven at a day, and there is no day in eternity there's no day. There's no night. There's just, there is no expanse of time. There's no beginning. There is no end. Eternity doesn't have live and die. We just, that's what we know. But in this time span is when Yeshua was born. And so, according to the foreknowledge of God, we call it in the first verse of the first chapter of John, the logos of God, what he thought about, what he what he used his logic and reasoning about before he ever created the earth, before he ever set the foundations of the earth, there was in his heart this firstborn that was going to happen, but yet it would be framed in time somewhere. Time hasn't happened yet when God is in his logos figuring out what's going to happen with the earth. Time is not existent yet. The Word is not Christ born there yet. There will come a fullness of time. 
And Jesus is born in time. He's not born in eternity. And so this firstborn is the Greek word prototokon, and taking that first part of it, pro, and then totokon is to be born. Pro is makes the first, the first in position, the first in rank, the first in authority, the first numerically. In fact, he is the perfect type from which all else is replicated. So if the firstborn is born in the heart of God before it ever happens in Mary's womb, before the foundations of the world, we know the Scripture says the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Well, He wasn't slain there. It was in the heart of God that that would happen in this thing that we call time. And so the firstborn... Everything is replicated from him. Now, I want to show you something. I want to show you something. Genesis, the first chapter. God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them in his own image. Who is the image of the invisible God? You'll find it in the book of Colossians, the second chapter. The Son is the image of the invisible God. You'll never see God. Your eyes cannot see Him. He is here. He is in spirit, but you cannot see Him. The only visibility of God was the firstborn. The only time we ever get to see what God looks like is the image of the invisible God. And so God created man in his own image. What image is that? A spirit? No, he didn't create man in the spirit. What image is that? That's the foreknowledge of the firstborn that's yet to come, and everything is designed from him, and it works backwards. He creates the heavens and earth so that it may be there for humanity because in his heart and in his mind and in his image, the firstborn is yet to come, but everything will be habitable for the firstborn when he shows up. Oh, this is kind of deep. Is everybody okay? Everybody okay? Huh? Smile at me. And so God creates in his own image. Now, uh, Frederick Price said God is six foot tall. He's got blue eyes, olive skin, and, and dark hair. Because that's what Adam was, and Adam is a copy of God. So God in heaven walking around. And that, I don't know which one's the old man. Was that the young man or the, or the bird that's flying around? Him? I don't know. But Jesus didn't know it either. He said God's a spirit. Man was not created after a spirit. You know, we've tried to connect. Well, you know, the, the qualities of God. No, he was created after the prototype of the firstborn that was going to be born in Bethlehem of Judea out of a womb of a woman called Miriam. By God's design. And so you and I, you know, you want to know what Jesus looked like? Look at your neighbor. Say, you look good. <laughs> you look like the Lord. Because we were designed in the likeness of his own 
image. Does everybody see that? Say amen. So the design there was not, you know, after the monkey. The monkey finally he developed. And he lost his hair, and here we are. No, thank you. I'm not going that way with the smart, smart, smart people of this world. They're so smart, they're completely idiots. We're not monkeys. Monkeys were not created after the prototype of the firstborn. You and I are after the type of the firstborn. In His image, in His likeness, we were created. Isn't that comforting? That's comforting. The devil trying to mix up little kids going to school and tell them there's something to do with monkeys. No, that, that's not true. We, were not, we didn't come out of the slime somewhere. We didn't come out of a big bang somewhere. We came out of perfect design. God, in his wisdom, his reason, his logic, created us after the form of Christ that would be born of a virgin, womb of Mary, in the little town of Bethlehem, Judea. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So, God was manifested in the flesh. 1 Timothy 3.16. Who do you think was manifested in flesh? God was manifested in flesh. I like the second part of this. He was seen of angels. We're going to have to go to the angels to complete this story because the end part of what we read in Hebrews... It talks about the angels then. Going to bring the angels in. God was manifested in the flesh. He was seen of angels. That infers that angels did not see him to this point. God was manifested in flesh. Then he's seen of angels. And so when he brought the firstborn into the habitable world, he said by directive and mandate let all the angels of God worship him now this is like I said if you go to the grammar of the Greek we think of let as as sort of being subjunctive hey if you want to you can you know Austin called me yesterday and said hey we're going out to shoot guns if you want to you can come out there and and so I had the choice and I could do it if I wanted to sometimes Kay says I'll let you do this or like I have the choice It's good. That's not what the Lord God is saying here in let. This is mandatory. You will. It's a directive. It's a command. You will worship Him. And so the angels don't get a choice. Well, I don't think I'll go down. Nah, you know, I'm doing something else. Not right now. I'll go, no. No, this, this command is, here he comes. It's been nine months since the Spirit of God overshadowed this woman. And inside of her is this firstborn. And he's about to show up. And so the angels are directed the moment he shows up. The angels of God are directed. Now you will worship Him. And so we see this happen. It's beautiful if you can connect the the two scriptures. and, and, And either now, either now these angels are being told to blaspheme, or this really is God who is showing up as the firstborn. 
Jesus told the devil, remember the temptation in the wilderness, Jesus told the devil, thou shalt serve, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. <coughs> thou shalt worship Yahweh only. He would not now switch that and tell the angels to worship something less than himself. That would be blasphemous to him. And so for his order to say, now you must go down and you will worship, you will worship him, then it must be a direction to worship the image of the invisible God. Can you say amen? God was born in the flesh. The firstborn. The angels appeared. We take Hebrews 1 and let's go back to, to Luke's second chapter. An angel appears to shepherds. Is everybody okay? See a few people fidgeting. You know, I might have to do some aerobics here. We'll just be a few more minutes. A few more minutes. Okay, an angel appears to shepherds in a field. Bethlehem, hmm. Bethlehem is where the shepherds raise the sheep for sacrifice. It's not just shepherds. It's priest-shepherds. Priest-shepherds are in the field with their sheep. That will let you know right there that it's not December the 25th. I'll let you know. Go outside and see if your sheep are out in the fields today. They're not out there. So the shepherds are in the field. They're watching over their flocks by night. And an angel appears to them. The first thing the angel says is be not afraid. I'm, I'm telling you, I've never seen an angel. But if I do, he needs to tell me that too. And like, whoa. That's, that's like out of my element right here. Uh, be not afraid. But I bring you the gospel. It's the same word used for the gospel all through the New Testament. Evangelion. I bring you the gospel. Somebody was, was saying, uh, I just heard the song. The first to, to, to preach the gospel was, was Mary, and she ran and told them. No, the first to preach the gospel were the angels. They said, I'll bring you glad tidings of joy because right now, Right now, I believe, I'm not sure the moment had even come of delivery, but during that delivery, during she's in pain, she's delivering, and the angels are coming down, and now they're telling the shepherds, and, and I just, I'm just going to take this, you know, by conjecture myself, that when that baby was born and came out of the womb, then suddenly... The heavens opened, and the angels of God were shouting and singing glory to God in the highest and upon earth. I take you to the Greek scripture again, because you've seen it on a postcard all your life. You've heard, you know, the Christmas carols and, and all of that. You know, it just, it just says it wrong according to the Greek, according to the way the Scripture is laid out. It says, glory to God in the highest and upon earth. They are rejoicing 
because for the first time, they will get to see the firstborn, and they showed up to the meeting. They didn't, they didn't miss the meeting, what God had ordered for them to go down and to worship Him, and now they are singing glory to God in the highest. The whole sky is exposed of angels to these priest shepherds. I wonder what kind of an impact this had on these priest shepherds. The angel had told them, you will find him. You will find him, number one, you'll, this is a sign to you. You will find him wrapped in swaddling clothes. I, too, had to go find out what swaddling clothes was. That's not a word that I use a lot. It's pieces of cloth. They wrapped the lambs, the sacrificial lambs, when they were born, they wrapped them in pieces of cloth. And the reason why, in the Orient, they still do it to this day a lot. We don't do it because doctors have found out that it, 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 if you leave those compressions on too long, it, it deforms the hips. And so I read about that and everything. And so we don't do that anymore. In the Orient, they still do it. But they would take a little lamb and they would wrap them with these cloths so that they wouldn't thrash around because the sacrifice had to be perfect. You couldn't, a lamb couldn't get all busted up and scratch itself up. Well, they would have to get rid of that lamb. They'd have to get another one. So they wrapped them, and they laid them in the tower of the flock. There was this place called the manger. And so this is beautiful in the Greek. That's not a manger. It's not some manger. It's not out in a hole somewhere. It's not in a cave somewhere. It's not under Bethlehem in some place where everybody goes now to see this place where Christ was born. They need to go to the tower of the flock because there. The manger, definite article, the manger. And those shepherds knew where to look for him. They were going knocking on doors. Do you have somebody out in the barn that we can look at? No. They had wrapped that little Lord Jesus in swaddling clothes because he is the perfect sacrifice and he will not get bruised. He will not be hurt through this process. They lay him in that hollowed out place called the manger and the angels of God came to see him. And they are shouting glory to God in the highest and upon earth. Peace in men. Good will of God. The scripture does not read peace on earth. It's peace in men. Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace on this earth. In fact, when he showed up, wars and rumors of wars even began to be more turbulous, turbulous than, than it was before. We have never had a time of peace on earth. There will never be a time of peace on earth. But there has been declared that there can be peace in men. Because of the birth of Jesus Christ, we'll never have peace on this earth. In fact, Christians and, and, and those who are not have been attacking and fighting, they're hunting Christians down right in Sudan and other areas of the earth right now, hunting them down because peace is not on earth. But there is peace that can be to you, but it's not on earth. It's in men. Because of the firstborn, there's peace that can be in you. And so now they go down to see this wonderful, beautiful Lord. And they're singing, 
Mark this down. I didn't know this, but the Lord just kind of led me to this verse. Deuteronomy, the fourth chapter and the 39th verse. Just jot that down somewhere. You can look it up later. It says this. And it's a perfect, it's the perfect fulfilling of what I just said. Glory to God in the highest and upon earth. Deuteronomy 4.39. Know therefore this day and consider it in thine heart. That the Lord, He is God in heaven and upon the earth beneath. And there is none else. Can the church say amen? That's an old, old scripture in Moses in Deuteronomy. But it comes to life when we realize its fulfillment. And so as I just said, the only peace you're ever going to find in this earth is not because the Lord came and was in a manger and, and all of that stuff. But it was because He came down Himself to bring peace in our life. To set right in our life what's wrong. Most people are just looking for something. Younger people are looking for a good time. Older people are looking for somehow to cover up that good time they had and all the problems because of it. Everybody's looking for peace in their life. I'm going to tell you what, there is one giver of peace. His name is Yeshua Jesus. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. The acknowledgement of that, Yeshua Jesus, that He is Lord, God, Yahweh, come down from heaven to earth. And the action that's taken by the confession of that thought, receiving the same Yeshua Jesus as Lord and Savior and God. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. The 25th of December, winter solstice, Roman holiday, to Murtha, or I said that wrong, Mithra, the sun god, 25th of December. Oh, yeah. Father Christmas, Kris Kringle, St. Nick, Santa Claus, the cross-dresser. Historically and biblically incorrect nativity scenes. Traditions and decorations and buying and giving gifts. Christmas carols full of ridiculous words that are not true, and music that is weird. All of this is a disguise. If we could take the impact out of the firstborn, Satan's done the job if he can take the impact away to the church. To people who think, you know, they're sort of Christians, hey, I honor Jesus on his birth, you know, and put out a nativity scene and Santa Claus flying over the top of it. If he can take away the impact of the firstborn, he's done his job. Because this one single event is so powerful, it triggered the course of salvation 
for humanity. This one single event is so powerful. And we talk about the cross and the power there too. I mean, it's the whole package, but it doesn't even get going unless there is the firstborn. And so God looked down. It was time. And he brought the firstborn into the habitable world. Thank God for it. Can you say amen? Would you stand with me and we're going to be dismissed and go and enjoy our day and, and have a good time with our family and friends and, and eat more than we should and we've already spent more than we should and, and uh, even though we love we love family time. I love family time. Everybody here love family time? Has nothing to do with the firstborn, the impact of what God did in this world for you and I. Amen. Let's pray. Bow your heads with me. Would you pray? Jesus, Lord, I honor you. I've done my best this morning to present what this whole thing is about. There's a lot of mess out there. There's a lot of covering, a lot of disguise. But really, Lord, this thing of you becoming this firstborn, or to bring salvation, no wonder the angels are shouting. No wonder, Lord, it's such a big, big deal in heaven because it triggers this whole course of salvation for humanity. And we thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you for it. We love you because we have tasted of that. Lord, we have accepted you. We believed you. We believed you were the firstborn. We have received you in our life. And because of that, Lord, we have tasted salvation. And we thank you. Go with everyone today. May we have good times with our families. And may we not forget, may we not forget the firstborn. And we thank you, Jesus. Amen.